The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Sometimes they come out in the middle of the night, and sometimes they come out in the very late morning. Such is the life of the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It doesn't know when it's coming out, and some of the time I don't know when it's coming out either. Um, One of those days where we just had to push things back a tiny bit, so uh, I don't want to apologize for it because this is when a lot of our shows used to drop, but I do want to remind you guys that when we talked about the early ones, that was just going to be when the show was done early. And today's wasn't. I don't want to say that I'm glad, but there was a little bit of NBA news in the morning, so we can we can loop that into the show as well. Welcome, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, your friendly neighborhood host, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. And this podcast is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. You can get them on Amazon or go to H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter if you have any questions about their products. We are a hoop-ball podcast. Hoop-ball.com. Got my own website wrong. Hoop-ball. Hoopin' ballin'. We call ourselves the hoob at times. Go check that out as well, hoop-ball.com. Uh, and every day, I'm reminding you guys to sign up for the Bruise Letter. I can officially say that there are now multiple thousands of you that are receiving this every Monday. A free email from Aaron Bruski that whips through the entire NBA. He goes through every team, all 30 of them. Some deep dive stuff on his uh, local Sacramento Kings, some stuff on his life. It's awesome. It's free. You just have to go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter with an N, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Takes you eight seconds to sign up. Put in your name and email address, and boom, you'll get the next one, which will come on Monday. It's awesome. You really do. You need to get on that. Uh, What's coming up on today's podcast will actually be a little bit of a shorter show, and I really mean that this time. This is one of those ones where I'm saying it, I'm going to stick by it. We have a very short Tuesday to go over. We had to shuffle some guests around this week, co-hosts and guests, just because of timing issues. Uh, So we'll be talking to Brandon Marcus and Coach both later in the week, uh, which means that today's show is guestless. I don't have any specific rant that I want to go on. I think we'll spend some time talking about Carmelo Anthony, of course, and just what it does to other players and how guys like that can impact things. And and we do have these few pieces of uh, NBA injury news in the morning. But overall, I think this one is a half an hour show coming up. Let's see if we can do it. I mean, obviously, we'll break down the Big 11 as well. There's a large Wednesday card coming up here tonight. Without further ado, the short Tuesday results. It was uh, only a four-game night yesterday, but it was actually fairly action-packed in terms of things that we could take away. Golden State blew out Memphis, which, you know, this is one of those things. Memphis had actually been playing better of late But much like the Charlotte Hornets, you can take one look at that team and know they weren't really going to keep up the 40% clip they were on. I mean, they're a decent team. They got some nice young pieces. The Grizz are fun. They're a very fun team. And, man, should I do the big reveal? No, I'm going to tell you right now. You guys probably are putting the pieces together as I speak. We have a brand new podcast coming out at HoopBall later on today. Ooh, yes, indeed. New podcast, new Twitter account. New team coverage. 
Anyway, if you guys didn't already figure it out, which you probably just did, uh, let's talk Golden State first in this one. So I continue to have the same concerns with this team that I had before. Number one, they have two guys in the starting lineup in Eric Pascal and Alec Burks who rely heavily on points, on scoring, to float their value. Pascal fouled out of this ballgame in only 24 minutes, so presumably he would play more in the next one, and you'd probably see less of either Marquise Chris, who actually had a good ballgame, or Omari Spellman. So that you can probably put in your cap as a, this probably is different. Pascal had a usage rate of 31.5 in this game, super high, super high, which is a good note for his value. Alec Burks had a usage rate of 28. Marquise Chris had one of 29, but his minutes were obviously lower. And for those two guys, Pascal and Burks, if their usage rate really does stay that high with no D'Angelo Russell, and it really could because they're the guys that are going out there and trying to get some buckets, then they should be able to weather the storm of some bad shooting nights. The problem I see with both of those guys is neither one really is known for getting defensive stats, and we don't know a whole lot about Pascal's uh, full-on stats that things could evolve here. We do know a lot about Alec Burks. He doesn't get defensive stats. He doesn't generally through the shoot three ball all that much. He did make two in that ball game. Uh, gets to the foul line at a pretty good clip. He will attack. He gets hit. And he's got a lot of pump fakes in his game, up and unders and so forth. And the rebounds were on the high side. You know, he grabbed, the, the Warriors had 51 rebounds in that game last night, uh, and Burks had eight of them. Willie Cauley-Stein, Draymond Green had 20. I don't know that that's something that's necessarily going to hold up. The 29 points is outstanding. There's no question about that. That's wonderful. Burke scoring 29 points is great. The eight rebounds are not sustainable. The two threes might not be sustainable. The nine for nine foul shooting, that will be one of his good things, but obviously nine for nine is not sustainable either. So all that to say, he is a standard league guy right now. He is. I have issues with his game, but he is a standard league guy because of the situation around him. As long as D'Angelo Russell is out, he's going to get enough shots to score anywhere from probably 15 to 20 points a game, somewhere in that neck of the woods. 29 is on the high side. He scored seven in their last ball game. The problem is, as we said before, he doesn't shoot the three ball that much. You know, he's averaging... On the year, 11 shots a game, but only one of those is a three that's going in. He's taking more than one. I should clarify my stance on this. Uh, steals and blocks are going to be low. Rebounds are generally going to be fairly low. Again, the eight was the outlier here. He had a nine earlier in the season, and every once in a while you'll have that that you know seven or eight, but it's going to be blended in with a lot of threes. And so that'll average out to probably in the four to five range. Maybe something like what he did in that partial season in Cleveland a couple years ago. So yeah, you know, because there are so many available shots, he's going to get you probably 15 to 20 points a game while everybody else is out. But 15-ish and points and four rebounds is just over the threshold because the other stuff just isn't that useful. Bad defensive stats, doesn't pass very much, good free throw percent, not a great field goal percent in general. So he's usable. He'll probably have a run in here just inside the top 100. But beware. And as soon as Russell comes back, then the wheels come off quick. With Pascal, it's a similar situation. He's another guy that has 
pretty big holes in his fantasy game, at least from what we can tell here at kind of a, a cursory glance. He could score 15 to 20 points a night, legitimately. He's a very good free throw shooter. Medium volume, 85% this year. His field goal percent number is actually decent. He actually reminds me a lot of TJ Warren before TJ Warren added defensive stats to his game. Doesn't pass. Doesn't really turn it over either. Doesn't hit the three-pointer. Doesn't get steals or blocks. It's alarming to see a guy score as many points as he has been while still remaining. I mean, get this. Pascal, over his last two weeks, is averaging 17-5. and five. What do you think is the absolute worst value a guy averaging 17-5 and five could get? Because that's basically where he's at. And this is on a medium volume 84% of the free throw line over that stretch. But the problem is, no steals, no blocks, no assists, minimal threes. He's ranked number 200 over that run. It's a very weird thing to reconcile in our minds, guys that are scoring a lot of points that don't have fantasy value. Now, let me again add the qualifier on these players, and I'll throw Glenn Robinson III into the mix as well. I I do like his game a little bit better because there's other stuff that gets lumped in. You know, he's not just about scoring, but his usage is often so low that that now becomes his issue. These guys are all going to be picked up in your league, and they're all going to be trotted out there every night, and sometimes they're going to score 20 points, and the guy that had him is going to think, tight, but it's the Colin Sexton syndrome. Where if their other stuff isn't, isn't good enough, then those 20 points just get them up to around the top 100 mark. So this is, these are important distinctions to make. The guy I was hoping would have a better game was Kai Bowman. He did not. His usage rate was uh, pitifully low. And they basically decided that Draymond Green is going to be going point forward for this team, point center. And he ended up having a really nice ball game. 8, 10, and 11 with two blocks. Good for you, Dre. That was nice. Thank goodness, because some of us ended up with him in one league, and it's been a rough go for that one team. Willie Cauley-Stein at 6 and 10, two steals and a block. But now we're hearing Kevon Looney is close to return. I want to talk about that in just a moment. Alec Burks is the safest of all of these randos that are getting thrust into multiple opportunities with this team. He has the ability to get just a little bit more than the other guys, and he's going to be aggressive. Pascal is your second safest among those fringy guys, but I'm, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm just not even dabbling. I'm not even dabbling. It's streamer territory, and that's fine. I have no problem with streaming, regardless of format. If you can get a guy that's firing off top 50 value for two weeks in a Roto games cap thing, that's great. That's super helpful. Uh, same deal for head-to-head if you want to rack up some some stats for a couple of weeks. Because it's hard to find a rest-of-season top-whatever value floating around on the wire. But be aware that there's no guarantee that even with all of this opportunity, these guys end up inside the top 75 or top 80. The, there are red flags that yell top 100 upside. And those red flags are field goal or, well, for one of the guys, field goal percent. Lack of defensive stats, lack of peripheral stats, lack of three-pointers. All of these things matter. Alec Burks did have a really nice game yesterday. There's no around, There's no getting around that. So he's the guy I think I would throw in there in a pinch, um, but overall not super into what we got going on in Golden State. On the Kevon Looney front, he's been assigned to the Warriors G League affiliate, 
he's been cleared for basketball activities, and they're hoping to have him back within the week at the big league club, if we can call it that in basketball. I think he moves into a decent role pretty fast. If he's actually healthy, he'd be one of their better players. Top three, certainly, among the guys that are playing right now. And he almost immediately takes Willie Cauley-Stein's minutes. He was going to be the starting center on this team. He started and played part of a ball game before he went down with this whatever nerve thing that they've got going on. Some sort of neuropathy. Uh, He had three points and nine rebounds in half a ball game. Ten minutes, 11 minutes, sorry. It wasn't even half a ball game. He had three three points and nine rebounds and three fouls. Got himself into foul trouble in half a ball game, so we're just going to throw it there. He could rebound like crazy this year because they don't have a ton of it. Durant is gone. Draymond is playing at partial capacity. He could have himself a pretty good year. Uh, I said it on Twitter. I think you're th- looking at maybe like if things break the right way for him, top 85 range, like a not great second center on your roster or a really good third center on your roster. It's not colossal upside. He's not going to play 30 minutes a game, and he doesn't do much on offense. But you're going to get good field goal percent, rebounds, defensive stats. That's useful. That's a better fantasy stat set than some of these other guys we're talking about. So I scooped up Looney in a bunch of places. We'll wait this thing out. It's not going to be great when he first comes back. But if he does ramp up to mid-20s in minutes, you're golden. You know, 10 and 9 on good percentages with a steal and a block? Hell yeah, I'll take that. Hell yeah. So he's on a bunch of spots for me now. Uh, Memphis side, they got waxed. Valanchunas was not good but he'll be fine. John Morant was okay. Bad percentages, such as the deal with rookies. Uh, Dylan Brooks had a better game. He's been flipping back and forth, and he reminds me a lot of the guys we just talked about on the Warriors side. Although, uh, to Brooks' credit, he will blend in the steal and the three-pointer a little bit more often than those Warriors guys. He's averaging two threes a game and over a steal a game. Brooks is right at number 106 right now in nine cats, so he's sitting on the edge of it. Problem is that he's alternated between some pretty good games and some royal, royal mess games. Woof. Some legit clunkos. But he probably should be on a roster. He has the ability to be like a number nine guy on your team. And that's better than a lot of these dudes floating around that are, you know, they have like 10th man upside. Jay Crowder actually has kind of 8th man upside these days. I... Listen, I'm the first to admit that I do not like his fantasy or his reality game all that much. I haven't liked his game since the Boston days. But right now, <laughs> those of you that listened to this podcast last year, remember how we talked about the Marvin Thad line, which was basically a, a stipulation I made up, completely fabricated, that, and I assigned the names Marvin and Thad to it for Marvin Williams and Thaddeus Young. That's basically just guys who have an old man stat set and need to be on the floor for 30 minutes to have fantasy value. If they don't hit the 30-minute threshold, they're not going to get there. If Marvin Williams wasn't playing 30 minutes, he wasn't worth owning. If Thad wasn't playing 30 minutes, as we're seeing this year, he's not worth owning. There are a handful of guys in the NBA that have the quiet production that just needs to be on the floor for 30 out of the 48 minutes. And as much as I don't like Jay Crowder's game in general, he's over that line. He is an official member of the Marvin Thad 30-minute cut line, 
and he's playing above it. 15, 11, and 4 with four three-pointers. No defensive stats, but he is unquestionably a must-own guy. It feels weird to say it. It feels very weird to say it. And on the season, he's number 120. But over the last two to three weeks, he's inside the top 70. That's important to note. Now that the Grizzlies have settled in a little bit, they've decided that he is their on-the-court veteran leader. And in games where they're not getting completely obliterated, he's going to play 30 minutes or more. It's almost every game. He's over the 30-minute line. He's averaging 30 minutes and 22 seconds a season, so which puts him on the right side of the Marvin... Or excuse me, that's over the last uh, two and a half weeks. On the year, he's one second less, so it's really basically the same. Uh, and it puts him on the right side of the cut line. He's found where he belongs. It's getting more assists than you'd expect from a small or power forward. Some steals every once in a while have fallen to a block shot, and he's hitting some threes. His value is being floated over the last two weeks by the fact that his field goal percent is leveling off after a very cold start. But again, you're talking about a guy that could sit in that, you know, top 85 range, top 90. There in standard leagues, that's a must-start guy. No question. Told you, only four games, but a lot of really interesting stuff popped out yesterday. Portland, no Damian Lillard, missed it with back issues. Hopefully he's back soon. Carmelo Anthony made his season debut, had 10 points, four boards, a block, and two three-pointers, and it took him 14 shots and committed five turnovers to get there. He also had five fouls. We heard he was going to play around 20 minutes. He got up closer to 24. And overall, for those of you that gambled on Mello, this is actually kind of a positive development. I hope the answer to how many of you gambled on Mello is only those of you in points leagues. His game does not translate to 9-cat anymore. It's, we're past that point. The percentages, the field goal percent will annihilate you as his volume continues to level up and be at a, really high, a relatively high mark. Very few defensive stats. His turnovers are probably going to be higher than they should be for someone doing what he does. His free throw shooting is fine, but I don't know how many he's going to get to this year. He's going to get you, as I've said, every basically every show since the news broke, 13-6 and six on bad percentages. It's, it's cut and dry. He's got points league value because he's going to have some games where he pops off and scores 25 on 19 to 25 shots. But the complete lack of assists, the no defensive stats, all of that stuff is going to destroy you in 9-cat. So please don't trot him out there in a 9-cat league. Go ahead and points, that's fine. Uh, he probably kills my friend Rodney Hood, who I had picked up in a number of spots prior to the Carmelo Anthony news breaking because his opportunity is just going to disappear. You know, Hood is not a guy that's going to force his way into a bunch of shots. We've seen it this season. He's basically only shooting when he's wide open. It's why he's shooting 48% this year, way over his career mark. His shot selection has just been very good, very judicious with his shot selection. But now that Melo's in town, and I know he took 12 yesterday, but that was with no Damian Lillard, uh, you're looking at a guy who's probably going to take seven or eight shots a game, and that's just not enough. I know he's out there a lot, but Rodney Hood likely now moves below the per-minute per value you'd need from a, a Marvin Thad guy. We needed him to be up around, you know, 32 to 35 minutes a game. 
and that number is probably going to trend down as well. Everybody loses a little bit with Mello in town. Simple as that. That's the that's the very quick and dry version. Hazonia's barely going to play. Uh, when Dame is back, you're going to see Dame, CJ, Hood, Mello, and Whiteside on the floor a lot. And Bazemore should see some okay minutes off the bench, but that might be about it. Anthony Simons, you might see him a little bit off the bench, but I, I wouldn't trust any of those guys. And again, not trusting Mello outside of a points league as well. For New Orleans, it sounds like some of their guys are actually getting closer. A uh, few of the dudes on the team were reassigned to the G League this morning, so that was one of the little pieces of news, and we'll, we'll hit the other here when we finish up our uh, Tuesday recap. Brandon Ingram came back, took only 20 shots, and uh, scored 21 points on them. The leveling off is coming here, guys. It's just it's a matter of time. Uh, Nico Melli played well in his 27 minutes. Jackson Hayes... Really nice 20-minute performance here with both Derek Favors and Jaleel Okafor out. J.J. Redick is the guy that's probably going to take the big hit when Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball come back. But we shall see. He's playing so well right now, you, you sort of have to just roll with it. And then uh, Drew Holiday, no defensive stats, super weird, but 22-5-10, and 10, and he's uh, slowly waking up. This is a team where uh, there's always going to be a boatload of fantasy stats out there. So they're a really fun streamer team if we can figure out, isolate exactly who wins depending on which guy is out. When Ingram was out, it was everybody because shots got redistributed, uh, redistributed to a whole bunch of different dudes. With Josh Hart out, Redick is the obvious beneficiary with Lonzo Ball out. Uh, there, it, uh, To me, that doesn't actually change a whole lot. I think maybe you see a little more Frank Jackson and a little more point Drew Holiday, but overall, to me, you know, that's that's not a big impact one from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, when Okafor and or Derek Favors come back, that's going to blow a hole in Jackson Hayes, but when both of those guys are out, he's a real neat streaming guy. I don't know how close Favors and Okafor are. We know somebody's coming back, but my guess would be that it's Lonzo and Hart first. And when those guys come back, you'll probably also see less... Kenny Williams as well. Kenny Hustle. Low usage, high rebound, all hustle. Uh, but he's got to be out there. He's one of those guys. When you're super low usage, you need to play 30 minutes a game. He probably fits that Marvin Thad cut line type as well. He's got to be out there 30 minutes. And he's been decent lately. I, I admit, I'm petrified to waste a roster spot on any of these guys if we get word before their next ballgame, which is tomorrow, that everybody's coming back. Just like, oh, by the way, everybody's playing again. Ah, damn it. I got to drop everyone. What would I do? Well, I'm going to hold on to J.J. Redick. I'm going to roll him out there until the, the cooling happens. Ingram, obviously, he's a go. Holiday, obviously, he's a go. Uh, Lonzo's a go when he's healthy. Hart is probably a go when he's healthy. He was playing really well before he went down. Uh, and then when Okafor comes back, you could probably stream him. Uh, if Favors and Okafor come back, Derek is the guy. We saw it for half a week he's their number one option at that center spot so we have this mapped out we just have to know who the hell is playing and when phoenix got sort of a ricky rubio return he played 16 minutes and didn't look good at all probably should not have played mikhail bridges saw an uptick in minutes and shots and had a really nice uh efficient game but I would need to see that again before buying into any of it kelly Oubre played well devin booker played well but they lost uh at sacramento covered the revenge game 
Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's just rolling with De'Aaron Fox out. Obviously a guy that you need to continue to play. May have tweaked a hamstring with about 20 seconds to go in the ballgame. Rashawn Holmes went yakko against his former team. Corey Joseph had 14 assists. We found out after the game Buddy Heald played through a flu, and that's why he didn't hit any shots. But that will sort of redistribute itself as well. When Heald is healthy, Joseph will see his usage decrease even further. One of the pieces of news from this morning is that Marvin Bagley is not that far away, so the Nemanja Bialica gravy train is running low as well. By the way, I think Rashawn Holmes still plays 25 minutes or more when Bagley comes back. He's taken most of his minutes from Bialica. And finally, the Thunder wouldn't quite go away, but ultimately the Lakers did take care of them. Anthony Davis has been not great this year and still is a top five guy. Uh, this is a hell of a ball game. JaVale McGee had four blocks, outplayed Dwight Howard in a rare twist as they sort of rotate back and forth. Uh, LeBron triple-doubled and now has triple-doubled against every team in the NBA, including the ones that he's played for, as he's bounced around a little bit. Rajon Rondo, eight points, ten assists on bad percentages and high turnovers. This is why we don't want him even when he's playing a lot. Just not fantasy good anymore. Chris Paul was cold, but he salvaged his line with 10 assists and 4 steals. We also got news this morning that Steven Adams is playing through that left knee situation, which was just the most obvious thing on earth. How many times have we talked about the idea that he's just not healthy? Uh, maybe they sit him down? Nerlens Noel is a must-own guy right now, because if Adams is actually hurt and they have to turn him off for a week or two to get him right, Noel would go bananas. If there's any chance he's available in your league, you scoop him up, because he is... Maybe I might give him the blue ribbon for best injury backup in the NBA. It's, there's, there are very few situations where it's such a clear one-to-one -one thing. In the NBA now, one guy goes down and it's like, oh, well, his stuff is just going to get split among three other guys. When Steven Adams doesn't play, it goes straight to Nerlens. He goes from playing 16 minutes a game to 32, and then he's a top 40 guy for a week. So with all of this stuff banging around, he is, to me, a must-own guy. He has to be right now. I mean, what if he gets two weeks to bust free? That's like getting a free third-rounder for part of a month. Dennis Schroeder had one of his better games, but uh, again, he's a tough nine-cat guy. Even on the good night, he committed five turnovers, more of an eight-cat dude. Um, Gallo was good, Shea was meh, and we're seeing some of the young guy stuff shake itself out. Shea Gilgis-Alexander deserves probably a... a not a rant. That's not an accurate way to put it. Uh, deserves some attention here on the podcast because everybody has just quietly called him a superstar, and he is. He does look like he's going to be a really good basketball player. There's there are certain guys that sort of jump out the page, jump off the page a little bit, and he does a lot of things interestingly. But his free throw percentage is too low right now. His field goal percent is too low, uh, and there's just this weird thing going on where he's like a half click away in a bunch of statistical categories. You just want a little bit more passing, a little bit more stealing. <laughs> uh, the free throw, you just want to be a, a tiny bit higher. The field goal, you want a tiny bit higher. Thrust into this bigger role, we're seeing that sort of take a little bit of the shine off. And this is a guy where people were reaching for him at, at 50, and he's at 94 right now. Is it a buy low opportunity? I, I honestly don't know. Because the counting stats are pretty good. 
His free throw number is not that far off from where he was last year. He was 80 last year. He's at 78 this season. Three-pointers are up a tiny bit, so I don't think that's getting any higher. Blocks are uh, a hair up. Steals are a hair down. Rebounds are way up, but some of that's just more playing time. And so you look at it, and you're like, all right, well, the big thing between last year and this year that that has decreased is field goal percent, and that's going to come with doubling his volume from 8 to 16 shots a game. So his points have also doubled. And obviously, he's taken a big step forward. He looks great. But can I look at this line and safely say, yes, the field goal percent, the steals, those are both going up? The steals, I think, should. But I don't know. There's not enough proof. So if you're buying low on him, you're probably still going to have to overpay because of where he was drafted. I think this is one of those guys, like uh, Jaron Jackson, that had so much buzz coming into the season that you almost can't buy low because the person that drafted him is going to be so attached, for better or worse. Cool player to have, fun player to have, because, again, you know he's, he's a fun guy to watch, but his numbers don't bear out the ranking that I think we all have him in our mind. He's lower than that. Uh, we touched on a couple of the pieces of news from this morning. Uh, Steven Adams playing through a thing. Larry Nance is back quickly which blows me away but uh cool that's good that's really good news and uh, Tristan Thompson's taking the night off Jabari Parker is probable Jonathan Isaac and his weird ankle twist at a like a, a plaque unveiling ceremony is is finally in the rear view uh Marvin Bagley's getting close and Otto Porter apparently is still multiple weeks away which is crummy that sucks I know I'm one of the folks out there that's still banging that you gotta hold on drum but if you're losing your head-to-head matchups and he's giving you the zeros and, and you don't have anybody else, then I get it. I get it. Sometimes you have to cut. I just, I, I wouldn't. He's too good. This is weird. Uh, you know, they're, they're playing it real safe and it turned out to be a pretty big deal. But damn, he was just starting to look better. Again, sign up for that Bruce letter. But listen, if you don't feel like you know, typing in a link somewhere. Could I trouble you perhaps for a mid-pod five-star review? If you like if you've been listening to uh, open up iTunes, you can do it there or via the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on the show title and scroll to the bottom. Power the locomotive. We need it. We love it. We love you. We need you. All those things. Drop that five-star review. We'll, We'll love you forever. Giant Wednesday coming up. 11-game card tonight. Somehow, I'm actually looking at one of my leagues, and I only have five guys playing. How the hell is that possible? There's only <laughs> there's only eight teams that aren't playing tonight, and apparently I have everybody on those teams. <laughs> well, that's stupid. Anyway, uh, you probably have a lot of guys playing tonight. Somehow, I don't, but you probably do. New York is at Philadelphia. The Sixers favored by 12 and a half. From a fantasy standpoint, not a whole lot to pay attention to in this one. San Antonio is in Washington. Again, you know, we're just waiting to see if the Spurs ever self-correct, but so far, nah. Warriors, Dallas, the back-to-back. Dubs got a win in Memphis. Do they ride a wave here, or do they get waxed? Dallas, by the way, favored by 14 points in this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the Warriors, see if anybody can pick it up. Dallas is also an interesting one because Carlisle's such a tinkerer. Who knows who's going to be in the starting lineup? I do still think Dwight Powell and Dillon Wright are going to end up as nine cat values on the season. 
Points leagues, probably not. Eight cat, probably not. Nine cat, probably yes. The funny thing about Delon Wright in particular, and obviously Dwight Powell's been sort of slowly ramping in from that injury, everybody's so pissed at Wright. Uh, his minutes are weird. They're bouncing all around. He's still somehow number 87. It's that slow-mo stat set this year. He's new Kyle Anderson. In any event, we'll be, we'll be watching that game. Sad as it may be to actually watch that game, you should, from a fantasy perspective. It'll be helpful. Milwaukee, Atlanta, we've seen some good stuff out of Dante DiVincenzo, but he's not quite 12-team uh, ready yet. Atlanta, sounds like it's uh, Jabari Parker will play. He's probable, so that should just be Trey and Jabari again. I do have one eye on Damian Jones there. He's been playing well. Minutes need to get a little bit higher. I'd rather have I'd rather stash someone like Kevon Looney if given the choice between the two, but he is someone that's kind of on my peripheral radar. Orlando, uh, we don't know DJ Augustine's status yet, but if he's out, then you might actually see enough Markel Fultz to get him into standard league value. That 25-24 minute split thing that was going on. One guy gets one extra minute. It's, it was not great for either of them. Uh, Toronto, I don't trust the backups. We've talked about that. You can stream if you want, but you're on your own with that one. We talked about Cleveland a second ago. Larry Nance should have a pretty good game. Miami. Miami hasn't played in a while. I haven't talked about them in a few days. Damn. Um, you know, it's going to come down to who plays. Kendrick Nunn, to me, is still the leader of the pack in that guard thing with he, Dragic, and Harrow. Nunn is the one above the cut line. Keep an eye on Kelly Olynyk. Keep an eye on whatever's going on with Justice Winslow. If he under, ever ends up playing again with that concussion, he got dinged something fierce. Because something might come out of this situation. Might. Charlotte, Brooklyn, meh. Not super into this one. Uh, one eye on Nick Batum. See if he actually bothers to take a shot in this ballgame. Probably not. Utah, Minnesota, second half of this home-and-home. Home. Uh, Minnesota beat Utah two days ago, so there may be a little something in the revenge. Just throwing it out there. Detroit finally playing for the first time in forever as well. They're underdogs, believe it or not, in Chicago because, well, Pistons aren't very good either. Uh, for the Bulls, we'll just keep an eye on that point guard rotation. We've seen more going to Kobe White lately, but his stat set has some glaring issues. I still think Tomas Sadoransky is the best fantasy selection of the bunch. For Detroit, with this long layoff, I would expect all of the regulars to be in there. Houston-Denver, not much going on there fantasy-wise. Boston and the Clippers, obviously, will be watching to see if Kawhi Leonard is playing. They're favored by six, which makes me think oddsmakers believe he will. But we shall see. You know, the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, the Paul George Clippers... And the Boston Celtics are probably relatively tight in power rankings. And suddenly they're a three-point neutral site favorite, six-point favorite at home. That, to me, says oddsmakers thinks Kawhi is in. They tend to be pretty careful and get those things right. Let's. We shall see. We shall see. Obviously, I'd love him to play because I have Kawhi in some games cap formats. And the week he's missed has been a tough one. Everybody's injured these days. We do have, beyond the Utah-Minnesta home-and-home thing, there are some other revenge games on the docket, and we'll just flip them out there into the ether. You guys can do with them what you please. The Pistons lost to the Bulls earlier this season, so this is actually a revenge game for Detroit, believe it or not. 
The Magic have already played Toronto. This is a revenge game for Orlando, and they've been quietly playing better. I do think there's some value with the Magic these days. And then the Cavs, uh, who got beat up by the Heat earlier this season. I, I mean, it's tough to... It's damn tough to put a wager on Cleveland when they don't have Tristan Thompson in the lineup. Uh, I don't know if we have the final word on Kevin Love yet, but they lost to the Heat by 11, and that was just six days ago. So we shall see. So anyway, there's a lot going on. We're getting into that part of the season where you know, this is a f- 11 games. Four of them actually fit the revenge angle. We will be tracking and probably partaking in some or all of those uh, and if you want to know how it all turns out, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Again, Warriors Mavs is your early game homework, and I don't think I'm going to sign a late game homework. Just watch one of those late ones. Boston Clippers, Houston, Denver, those will be fun ones. Just check them out. Enjoy some basketball. The fantasy one we're paying close attention to is Warriors Mavs, and then there's little stuff going on in a bunch of games. You know, if you want to see what Nick Batum looks like when he's on the floor, little stuff like that, uh, that's all worth paying attention to. We have to be Johnny on the spot. We have to be ready. We have to see what these guys look like. The eye test does matter. It does matter. Because the box score doesn't tell you everything. That's why... NBA League Pass is the first thing I ask for. (laughs) I need people to prepay me. It's a Hanukkah or a Christmas or a whatever present. But I get it in October. And they finally made it so that the TV stations are all in high definition. I cannot believe it took until the year almost 2020 to fix that nonsensical crap. Maybe that's my rant for the day. It's a post-facto rant. Thank you, League Pass, for finally making your damn TV stations high def. Are you kidding? Are you kidding with this crap? We're paying 200 bucks a season for low-res TV, and I can't watch it all on my computer. I got a kid. What am I going to do, sit in front of a laptop? I got to chase that little dude around. I need a big-ass TV in high def, so that way every time I pass it, I can see what's going on. You guys know what I'm talking about. I know at least some of you do. And I don't want to give a laptop or a tablet or whatever to the three-year-old. I've been told that's not great parenting. But you can put a giant TV onto the side. They don't care about that. Running around the room, I can see what's going on. So thank you, League Pass, for getting your freaking act together in 2019 and finally making the stupid TV stations high def. Goodness gracious. Which ones are nationally televised tonight? I actually don't know. Probably Boston Clippers, right? That's got to be on national TV. What's the other one? Orlando, Toronto? <laughs> it's probably a bad guess. <laughs> uh, the other fun one is Houston, Denver, but that one starts just an hour before. I'm playing a stupid game here at the end of the podcast. Uh, coming up the rest of the week, again, we'll talk to Brandon and Coach at some point. I don't know precisely when those are going to be popping on, but they will. Uh, Thursday, that's tomorrow's show. We'll have one of them. Maybe both. I don't know. Time will tell. Friday, we'll obviously get you ready for the weekend. Uh, string us through so we can connect the weekend to the start of the following week. Again, that Bruise Letter website is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Rate and review the pod if you like what you've been listening to. If you hate it, you can just tell me on Twitter. I'm okay with that. I'm always willing to listen. Uh, Again, I am at Dan Bespris. Hit me up. Oh, 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 oh. Almost forgot. Uh, We are looking for additional podcasters. Now that we've sort of gotten everybody situated, we do have uh, contributor roles open. So if you want to get involved with us on that side, shoot me a line. Twitter is the best way, but if you don't have social media, 
send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, and that will get forwarded to me if you make it Attention Dan. Teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, Attention Dan. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Enjoy the 11-game card. We will talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.